Welcome, everyone. I am Dee Decker, Director of Communications at Beargrass Christian Church. Welcome to our podcast. This week, we will wrap up the New Spirit Sermon Series, where we are trying to envision not virtual reality, but virtue reality. So far, we have thought about God's spiritual gifts of gratitude, peace, hope, compassion, and growth. As we ponder this last part of the passage from Colossians, we'll hear about a mystery that had been hidden through the ages. Here now is Dr. Lee Bond. And again, good morning. Going to do something a little different today, and that is to memorize a Bible verse. When was the last time you memorized a verse? And we're going to memorize part of a verse. So I don't want to stretch you too far here today, but uh, the phrase comes out of Colossians one twenty-seven. You just saw it projected, and the phrase is "Christ in you, the hope of glory." All right, this is what this is your homework to cherish as you go from this place. Let's say it together. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And actually, it's going to be kind of a call and response to make sure that you and I both stay awake during the sermon. So so if you hear the phrase from me, Christ in you, I want you to shout uh, the hope of glory. All right. So let's, let's practice just to make sure you're ready. All right. Christ in you. All right. Say it like you're really kind of excited about it. Christ, Christ in you. Christ in you. All right, I think we're ready. Stay awake. After we thought about some of the virtues mentioned in Colossians last week, somebody emailed me this story. You may have heard it, but I, I still uh, think it's, uh, it's kind of funny. But uh, how many of you have a dog or a cat at home or both maybe? Almost everybody. Uh, see if you can identify with this tale of two tailed pets. The author of the story proposes that uh, God created dogs and cats to help us develop certain significant virtues in our lives. As the story goes, Adam and Eve a long time ago said to God, you used to walk with us every day in the garden. Uh, Now we don't see you as much anymore. We are lonesome. Uh, It's difficult for us to remember how much you love us. And God said, I will create a companion for you. Uh, This companion will will be a reflection of my love for you so that you will know that I love you even when you cannot see me. And regardless of how selfish you may be, this new companion will accept you as you are and love you as I do. In fact, this new animal will be a reflection of my name, and it will be called Dog. And Dog, Dog lived with them and was a companion and loved them dearly and faithfully. But but after a while, an angel of the Lord came to God and said, Lord, they have become filled with pride. They strut around like peacocks and think they're worthy of adoration all the time. Dog taught them about love, but not about humility. And God said, I will create for them a companion who will be with them forever and see them as they are. The companion will remind them of their limitations so they will know they are not worthy of constant adoration And so God created Cat, and Cat would not obey them. And when they gazed into Cat's eyes, they were reminded that they are not the supreme being, and they learned humility. And Adam and Eve became more virtuous, 
and dog wagged its tail, and cat did not care. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Today we uh, conclude this New Spirits sermon series, and again, we're speaking uh, not about virtual reality, but virtue reality, a life uh, lived in Christ in God. So far, we have thought about a variety of spiritual gifts uh, from God, gratitude, peace, hope, freedom, uh, compassion, and last week, uh, growth. And today we'll hear about more virtues and spiritual gifts, as well as this mystery. Don't you love mysteries? This mystery that Paul talks about that had been hidden for the ages, but is now made known and revealed. As the passage opens uh, in verses 15 to 20, we, we hear what's called a Christ hymn. It was probably a separate piece of literature that was circulating among early Christian communities, but Paul brings it into the letter here and uh, he uses this lofty language to describe uh, the attributes of, of Jesus. But all of these grand and glorious words have a purpose. Uh, he wants to make a connection between Jesus and between Jesus' followers. Uh, we are to accept the moral actions and responsibilities that are consistent with those who would follow uh, Jesus. In other words, Christian piety uh, requires a public face, as Stephen described with the children. We know there are some philosophies out there that uh, can be adopted intellectually, can be a mind kind of thing, but not require any behavioral modifications or lifestyle changes. But Christianity is not like that. Uh, a life of faith is much more than words, and our virtue, virtues will be seen in our actions and interactions. And this, this mystery, this mystery, Paul reveals uh, this mystery that's been around, hidden in the ages, uh, uh, this, this gift, these gifts from God are not just for a chosen few, not just for a special group, but they are for all people. And that's good news for us, believe me. And it, it's, you, know, you want to check in the footnotes there because it's the Texan translation. It's the Texan translation, uh, uh, you is y'all. It's y'all. It's, it's meant for the whole community, everybody. This is y'all, plural. And the primary gift is Christ in you. All right, I've already lost you. Wake up. The primary gift is Christ in you. Hey, can I get an amen? Anyway, many, many, many gifts are mentioned. This this passage is full of more gifts. Let's think just about a few. Uh, Paul talks about faithfulness, for instance, and he proclaims in verse 23 that these gifts are available to us as we remain steadfast in our faith. I think faithfulness is another one of those good God words that gets tossed around lightly in our culture. Uh, It's lost some of its power and punch. Uh, It's often described in kind of a shallow, one-dimensional way to describe uh, Thou shalt not directives in relationships, but faithfulness. Faithfulness is about keeping promises to God, or better yet, keeping covenant with God and God's people and our family and friends. You know, when fickleness is the norm in our culture, how do we do faithfulness? Again, we can't do it on our own. We need some help. And as we read Paul's mail to the Colossians, We hear this exhortation to remain established, firm, grounded, steadfast in God's love. And as we think about Paul's life and ministry, certainly 
His actions spoke loudly and continue to speak to us today. He kept the faith. You know, it was one of the most important things that Paul kept. You know, think about what he gave away. You know, think about his impressive pre-Damascus road, pre-seeing the light resume. It's in, it's in the text in there in the Bible. It's long and full and impressive. He was at the top of his class in all of these different areas, but he gave it all up because there was something more important that changed his life, transformed him forever. He kept the faith even when things were tough. And, I, and so we affirm this morning that faith is possible because it is Christ in you. All right, you're still awake. Paul talks about courage as well. And it all, it's, it's remarkable to me how routinely Paul mentions suffering in these letters. And he doesn't just mention it. He goes so far as to say that he rejoices in his suffering. How many of you rejoice when you're suffering? Ah, it's a short list. This is crazy. But he doesn't just mention it. He, he says he rejoices in it. And, and he has this great courage in the face of danger and turmoil. You know, what kind of nut proclaims that he's rejoicing in his suffering? And then if you go to the last part of the letter here, the last line in Colossians is this, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains <laughs> and grace be with you. Have a nice day. Now that last part's not in the Bible, but I, you know, it should be. And, and then he probably added a smiley face and then whatever emojis he had access to. I, I don't know. But, but ah, when, when we consider whether or not we are courageous, what kinds of situations and circumstances come to mind? We probably think of times when, when lives are, are on the line. Some of you have been in the midst of battle, perhaps, or I know a number of your medical professionals where you are, you know, it's life or death. You know, what you do is so important. Some of you are in uh, service roles in your vocations where there's great risk at times, and we give thanks for your willingness to be courageous in the face of those very challenging situations, but, but courage can be sometimes much less dramatic than standing with the Avengers to combat the forces of doom and, and darkness. Many of us here will never pull somebody from a burning house or a sinking car. Most of us here will not stand up to a gang or, or, or vanquish some evil empire. But I suspect that real virtues like courage may develop as we recognize and renounce and address the situations around us. I'm kind of inspired by this Kenyan prayer. The author writes, From the cowardice that dares not face new truth, from the laziness that is contented with half-truth, from the arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, Dear God, deliver me. Courage. Could it be that we can be courageous every day? You know, just, just challenge to stand up and, and say the right thing or do the right thing or be the right person or speak for truth or speak for justice. It's, it's possible that we... We have those opportunities more than we know or, or realize. It, it, you know, it, it, it takes courage to blow the whistle on someone at work, right? We've seen stories in the news lately. It, 
It takes courage to be a teacher. How many of you are in education? Well, gosh, God bless you. Because it takes courage to stand in front of a bunch of young people in the classroom where there's not all that much excitement or interest or much support from the outside. You know, it takes courage to, to call politicians and to share your opinions, because I know you have them. I, you know, it, it takes courage to get out and march and protest. You know, one of our recently retired church members did it for the first time in her life recently. And as she shared that story, she was pumped. She was so excited. She said, that was so cool. I'm going to do it again. You know, it takes courage to love. It takes courage to sit by the bed of a, a loved one who is about to pass away. An old poem expresses it well. Two things stand like stone, kindness in another's trouble, courage in our own. Some of you are baseball fans and know Jackie Robinson's story. When he signed his first contract, Dodgers owner Branch Rickey read to him from a book called The Life of Christ. And in that book, there's a powerful line. Everyone has a respect for courage in others, especially if it is moral courage, the rarest and most difficult sort of bravery. That's how Robinson started his professional baseball career. And after two years, two long years of verbal abuse and racial slurs and death threats, this courageous man received the league's most valuable player award. Courage, courage. It's possible because it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Let's think about restraint. Paul talks about that in verse 28. He talks about being passionate, but also, you know, staying within limits a little bit here and there. <laughs> There's another reference to spiritual growth and maturity, of course, in, the, in these verses. But uh, is it possible that few virtues are as actively maligned or passively ignored um, <laughs> as the virtue of restraint in our culture today? Do you ever wonder why self-control and boundaries and filters are often less valued than self-expression <laughs> however you feel moved to do it. You know, social media has provided a platform for all kinds of craziness, right? Amen. Oh, it's nuts. But Paul makes it clear that there are expectations and teachings about guidance and healthy limits and boundaries and all of that. that that's kind of the challenge with, <laughs> with these virtues. Once we begin to embody them, once we begin to live them out, once people begin to notice, sometimes we forget where they came from in the first place, right? We, we, we hear people say, oh, oh, look how virtuous I have become. I am so proud of myself. And in fact, I, I'm, I'm the most virtuous person I've ever met, right? But as wise people of faith, we can be sharp, but not cutting. We can be pointed, but not piercing. We can be straightforward, but not completely unrestrained. There's a balance. The uh, authors of the Fresh Encounter Bible study in the last chapter share some good words. They write, human pride has a way of inserting itself into the most hallowed places even if the motivation doesn't seem all that bad at first. 
But revival and renewal are about the glory of God. And those whom God uses in revival are people who have met with God in powerfully personal ways and who have a burning passion for the glory of God and a life of holiness. They write, revival and renewal occur when people recognize themselves for who they are and readily give all that glory to God. Good words. Restraint is possible because it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. So if Paul would write a letter to us today, dear saints at Beargrass, or if Jesus were to write a letter to the church today, what might be in it? Someone put together a collection called, You've Got Mail, Letters from Jesus to the Mainline Church. Here's a sample letter. Jesus says, uh, yeah, you know me. I, I, I love to make the old line new. I love to start over. Yeah. If you will stick with me, I will give you a future, new wineskins and all that. You remember how that story goes, right? You know, I am the Lord of, of life, not death, and I shall move you from a place of mordant decline to life again. I still have plans for you. Now, now you may be smaller, but, but small can be good. Don't worry about that. Remember the Mennonites. I mean, and and this is important, you will no longer be in charge of the nation if you ever were. That national church thing was your idea of church, not mine. So, so hey, you know, get, get back to the basics like worship and service and witness. Don't mourn the downsizing of your bureaucracy. You know, you were once pretty good at mission. And now that much in North America has never heard of me, maybe it's time to start thinking about yourselves as missionaries once again. It's time to get to it. Love, Jesus. <laughs> so what do you think? All that possible? You know, again, we can, cannot do that all by ourselves. We've got, to, we've got to come together and we've got to lean into God. But I believe... I believe with all my heart that spiritual growth and maturity and mission and ministry are possible because it is the spirit of Christ in you. It is Christ in you. It is Christ in you. Thanks be to God and all God's people sit. Thanks, Dr. Bond, for a great message. During the last several weeks, the theme of the messages has been a new spirit, and we've been considering and giving thanks for God's gifts of gratitude, peace, hope, freedom, compassion, growth, and glory. Next week, we begin a new series called Living It Up. We will take a look at a number of passages from Luke and think about what a spirit-filled life looks like. As always, thanks for listening. We'd love to see you around the table at one of our weekend worship services. You can find our location, worship times, and upcoming events at our website, www.beargrass.org. If you like what you're hearing, you can always hit the donate button. All gifts go to further the mission and ministry of Beargrass Christian Church. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and we hope to see you around the table. Until then, grace and peace.